hello and welcome to another episode within the season of the CPD articles. Today we'll be going over the death benefit decisions which was published on the 15th of March 2021. You can access this through your Kaplan portal. Enjoy! Reversionary Pensions Daniel Butler, Director of DBA Lawyers and Bryce Bigot, Special Counsel at DBA Lawyers, note the ATO's description of a reversionary pension is taxation ruling. A superannuation income stream ceases as soon as the member in receipt of the superannuation income dies unless the dependent beneficiary of the deceased member is automatically entitled. Under the governing rules of the superannuation fund or the rules of the superannuation income stream to receive an income stream on the death of the member. If a dependent beneficiary of the deceased member is automatically entitled to receive the income stream upon the member's death, the superannuation income stream continues. Lump sum versus pension. When a death benefit is paid to a beneficiary as a pension, it means that the individual's fund remains within the superannuation environment. In contrast, when a be- where a beneficiary receives a benefit of a lump sum payment, they may encounter difficulty in trying to return their funds to superannuation to a superannuation fund as a result of the restrictions imposed by the law. Death benefit pensions, reversionary or not, can help the eligible beneficiaries retain the benefit in the super environment. Many SMSFs invested in bulky assets, for example, residential and or commercial property, the surviving spouse can commence a death benefit pension to enable the assets to to be retained within the self-managed super fund. Brad Hoffman, manager, SMSF and at MGD Wealth, shares his perspective as to the key benefits of a res, rev, revers, sorry, revers, reversionary <laughs> pension. Sorry, um, so I'm just gonna play a video for you. A reversionary pension is one that continues to be paid after the original member has passed away. Uh, if it's the member's intention to leave some or all of their benefits to a dependent, uh, a reversionary pension can be beneficial because it ensures that the member's intentions as to who it's to go to are honoured. The pension will continue seamlessly without any additional paperwork required. If the surviving beneficiary has transferred balance cap issues, then it can allow an extra amount of pension to stay in pension in the time phase for an additional 12 months after the date of death. Uh, the reversionary beneficiary has largely the same rights as the original member. They can cancel the pension, however, if they do, if they do so, uh, that amount must be withdrawn from super because it does retain its character as death. Cool, so that was the video. So ensuring an individual's intentions are on it. As Mr. Hoffman explains, a reversionary nomination offers an individual greater certainty that their intended beneficiary will receive an ongoing pension after their own death. 
as long as the beneficiary is eligible dependent at death. A similar process compared to non-reversionary arrangements, opting for a reversionary nomination also means that the beneficiary will likely to have to deal with a lower administrative burden at the time of grief. Grief. This is because a reversionary pension automatically switches from the deceased to the beneficiary. What is likely to be required for an automatic reversion? A death certificate, a relationship de declaration and trustee minutes confirming the individual's death and reversion of the pension. Also speaking to genuinely seamless transfer process associated with reversionary pensions, Liam Short of Verante Financial Planning observes, Reversionary pensions are rarely challenged as they are fixed in, re in place usually at the start of a pension when the member has capacity to nominate a beneficiary. Grandfathering of rever reversionary pensions. A further benefit of reversionary nomination is that it can allow a grandfathered account-based pension to retain its concessional income test assessment for Centrelink purposes. Where an account-based pension was established before the 1st of January 2015 and as an individual received income support payments or held a Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, Immediately before that date, the income test that applied on the 31st of December 2014 continues to be used in respect of the individual's income. So, these account-based pensions are grandfathered in that, in that the old income test rules apply to them rather than being deemed. If a reversionary benefit is then receiving income support payments or holds a CSHC from the date they, they started receiving the deceased individual's pension, grandfathering also applies to the reversionary pension. Potential transfer balance cap benefits. So you've got a question here to answer, which is what is the TBC lifetime limit applied to? The value of a reversionary pension based on the value of the pension at the date of the individual's death counts towards a beneficiary's personal TBC. However, there is a 12-month window from the time of death before the value of the pension is included against the beneficiary's TBC. The potential benefit here is illustrated by the following example. John and Jenny. John and Jenny are a married couple with a self-managed super fund. They are its only two members. The couple commences account-based pensions for $1 million each. The asset of their superannuation fund is a commercial sorry, self-managed super fund, is a commercial property valued at $1.8 million. If John was to pass away, Jenny could only retain 600000 of his benefits in the super, um, sorry, in their self-managed super fund if she retained all of her $1 million. The figure represents $1.6 million. The personal TBC at the time of writing minus the $1 million she already used to commence her account-based pension. However, if John's 
pension was reversionary, Jenny could keep the entire $1 million in John's account alongside the $1 million in her own account in pension phase until 12 months after John's death. At the end of the 12-month period, Jenny would need to commute the excess above her TBC either by receiving a portion of death, John's death benefit as a lump sum or by rolling a portion of it into her own account-based pension back to accumulation phase. She has had the benefit of both pensions being in pension phase and hence able to access the exempt current pension income concessions for 12 months. Eligible reversionary pension beneficiaries. An individual can only be a reversionary beneficiary if they are eligible to receive death benefit death benefits in the form of an income stream. The Superannuation Industry Act in 1993 and Superannuation Industry Regulations in 1994 state that where a member passes away from the 1st of July 2007, only the following individuals may be eligible to receive a death benefit income stream. So you have to be an individual spouse at the time of their death, a child under the age of 18 years old, a child at least 18 but less than 25 years old who is a financial dependent of the individual, a child of any age who has a disability and as defined in the Disability Services Act, a personal, sorry, a person other than a child of the individual who is interdependency relationship with the individual, for example, a person who lives with them and a close personal relationship exists whereby one or the both provide for the financial and domestic support and personal care of each other. And lastly, a person other than a child of the individual who was financially dependent on the individual at their time of death. Where a death benefit pension is paid to the deceased child, the child must genuinely commute the income stream by the time they age the re- sorry they reach the age twenty five and take balance as a tax free lump sum. A death benefit pension paid to a child can only continue beyond age twenty five if the child is permanently disabled. It is important to note that some superannuation funds may further limit who can be named in a reversionary nomination. For instance, some funds may only permit a reversionary nomination to the member's spouse. The potential drawbacks or disadvantages. Some superannuation funds may not allow a reversionary nomination to be modified or removed without commencing the pension. So if an individual divorces or separates from the reversionary beneficiary, they may need to commute the pension and commence a new one in order to nominate another beneficiary. This situation can also lead to a grandfathered pension status being lost. Additionally, a reversionary pension can only have one reversionary beneficiaries, a BDN, sorry, BDBN in contrast allows an individual to split their death benefit between a number of beneficiaries. Verante Financial Planning's Liam Short notes.
Under a reversionary pension, there is genuinely less flexibility for trustees and executors to manage superannuation as part of the person's overall estate, which could meet, which could make it challenging to distribute a person's overall wealth evenly, this, if this is what is preferred, among the, their beneficiaries. Other drawbacks of a reversionary pension include the limitations that apply as to precisely who can be nominated as a reversionary beneficiary. You now have four questions as well to answer at the end of that. Binding death benefit nomination. In the absence of order reversion, as soon as practicable, practi practicable, sorry, practicable is not defined, but will generally be six to 12 months. And if the extenuating circumstances may be longer. A deceased superannuation death benefits will have to be paid from their fund as either a lump sum de death benefit, a new pension to the eligible beneficiaries, or a combination of both. The death benefit simply cannot stay in the accumulation phase. Mr. Hoffman may so he notes that when a member's pension ceases without an automatic reversion, the original pension amount falls back into the accumulation phase and the trustee must either look to a BDBN to determine where the benefits are to be paid or, sorry, or to make a determination as to whom the benefits should be paid. A pension ceases upon an individual's death unless there is an automatic continuation of the pension. However, from the 1st of July 2012, although the member's pension is considered to have ceased upon the death, the portion of the fund's assets will continue to be entitled to the claim-exempt current pension in income until the beneficiaries are paid out as a lump sum or the death benefit income stream. Accordingly, the tax... The fund's tax liability for that period of the time should be no different than if a reversionary pension had been in place. When might a binding nomination be useful? A binding nomination can be made during the accumulation phase as well as the pension phase. Unlike a reversionary nomination, which can only be made some, by someone who has started a pension, if the deceased has started a pension, a binding nomination or non-reversionary nomination on the pension offers a possibility of paying, of paying the death benefits as a lump sum to a beneficiary who is not eligible to receive the death benefit as an income stream. For example, an adult child without disability. If the member wishes to enforce where the benefit, sorry, benefit is to go upon their death, they can set out those wishes in a binding death benefit nomination, assuming the fund's governing rules allow it. The following example provides a scenario where a binding nomination could be appropriate. David and Diane. David and Diane were married later in life. They each, sorry, they each have children from a prior marriage and also have 800,000 in a superannuation pension phase. They are also, sorry, they are considering making a binding death, binding death 
benefit nominations. Should either pass away, they would like the survivor to have $200,000 of their superannuation death benefits with the balance to pay to their adult children. In the event of one's death, the surviving spouse will commence a death benefit pension with 200000 remaining. The remaining 600000 can be paid as a lump sum to the nominated adult children or alternatively can go to their respective estate and be distributed according to their respective wills, which can nominate their children as the beneficiaries. The TBC situation. When it comes to the TBC, reversionary and non-reversionary pensions, i.e. death benefit pensions, commenced, commenced as a result of a BDBN, are treated differently. As mentioned earlier, a reversionary pension will not count towards a reversionary beneficiary's transfer balance account until 12 months from the day of the deceased's death. However, the amounts, the amount of, that counts towards the TBC is the pension value at the date of death. For this reason, argue, arguably, if we had a crystal ball knowing that the market were too expensive, negative returns, a reversionary pension would not be ideal. In contrast, a non-reversionary pension counts towards the beneficiary's TBC at the time of its commencement. The amount that counts towards the TBC is the pension value at the time of the commencement too. The practical, sorry, the practical aspect. Additionally, a binding domination non-reversionary nomination on the deceased existing pension allows a new pension to be commenced in the name of the eligible beneficiary, i.e. a spouse. As such, it can commence at a time that suits some SMSFs as long as the death benefit is paid out as soon as practicable. From a practical perspective, this approach can save some additional requirements interim financials, minimum payment requirements, reporting just after the date of death. All right, so yeah, now have another um, question, multiple choice. Understanding the options. Are there any commonly misunderstood risks or drawbacks associated with the reversionary and non-reversionary pensions? What the fund says. With respect to the reversionary pensions, Mr. Hoffman says it's essentially that a trust funds, sorry, a funds trust deed both allows for the payment of reversionary pensions and enforces that election on the trustee following a member's death. Anthony Dow, manager, advice technical at Aware Super, similarly emphasizes the importance of knowing precisely what a specific fund will allow upon a member's death. So I've just got a short video here for you to watch. Listen. Oh, sorry, one second. Reversion pension, or who's, who wants to receive one, or the member wants the beneficiary to receive one. That's never in the hands of the beneficiary or the member making the nomination for that benefit. Um, that discretion does come down to the trustee of the super fund. Um, and so 
some funds um, may have a standard practice. So it's, it's probably worthwhile as a, as a the planner or advisor and the, the member um, investigating a bit further about what that the fund provides on debt. So some funds um, I know uh, used you just do only ever pay a lump. If it's not a, if it's not a reversionary nomination, they would only ever pay a lump sum debt benefit. So um, that's something might might be worth investigating. Some funds are more restricted in, in what pensions they pay. Sometimes they'll only pay offer you a reversionary nomination to the spouse, and therefore you don't get a choice if you have an interdependent or a financial dependent um, or even a, a dependent child. Um, those funds may not offer you the reversionary nomination. For those those beneficiaries, you might have to go opt for the non-reversionary pension and the hope that they will continue. They'll use their discretion to pay a definite pension on death. Okay, that was the video. I'm not sure if you understood that because even I didn't. <laughs> um, he was a bit mumbly. But um, moving on, new pension, new nomination. Mr. Hoffman says that there is a there was a BDBN that was inconsistent with the reversionary nomination. Many trustees are silent as to which nomination takes precedence. For members of a super, sorry, self-managed super fund, they often end up with more than one pension being paid from a fund. It is important to remember that each pension is a separate contract between the trustee and the member and a reversionary nomination needs to be made for each pension. A reversionary pension versus a BDBN, which takes precedence. In a 2019 article, Super Central examined the controversy regarding whether a reversionary pension trumps as trumps a BDBN or whether the converse was true. Mr. Short notes that some superannuation and self-managed super fund trustees may allow a BDBN to override a rever reversionary nomination, but the vast majority do not. The conclusion reached in the super central piece was that, sorry, was that where, where a fund's governing rules are silent on this issue, a reversionary pension would trump for two reasons. For one, if the pension automatically transfers when a member dies, it has ceased to be a superannuation interest on the member. Consequently, the member's BDBN cannot apply. The article draws a comparison with this, with this situation where the land is held in joint tenancy and one of the joint tenants dies. In that scenario, the land automatically transfers from the surviving joint tenant. It does not become part of the estate of the deceased joint tenant. Number two, a pension nomination operates a power con conferred on the member by governing rules as, the, as to the allocation of the pensions of the member's death. Uh, so now you've just got another multiple choice to answer. In the courts, situations may arise where superannuation death benefits become assets of the deceased estate and this occurs, sorry, where this occurs, those assets may become the subject of legal disputes. Mr. Hoffman highlights the situation where it's intention of the spouses to leave their superannuation or part thereof 
to each other, but neither reversionary pensions nor BDBNs have made have been made. In that situation, if the spouses are also nominated as the sole executor under each other's wills, issues may arise. Mr. Hoffman refers to the Queensland Supreme Court judgment in McTonish first McTonish. Um, a case that reinforces the need for these kinds of considerations in estate planning. Yeah, um, this is Mc, McIntosh versus McIntosh. Okay. Um, the applicant was the mother and the respondent was the father of a 41-year-old man, James, who died at the time of death. The mother, sorry, at the time of his death, the mother and father had been divorced for over 30 years. James had no surviving spouse or children and had no valid will. And so, under the rules of the intestacy, his estate was to be distributed equally between his mother and father. The mother applied for and was granted the letters of administration and sought payment of James so James's superannuation death benefit to her personally. She saw those funds on the basis that she and James lived in the in- interdependency relationship at the time of death. The father's lawyer argued that the mother as administrator of James's estate was in fid- fiduciary F-I-D-U-C-I-A-R-Y relationship with the beneficiaries of the estate. The decision, Justice Atkinson concluded that the mother was a fiduciary who had a conflict between her fiduciary, sorry, duty to the estate for the pursuit of possible receipt of the benefit or gain of for the estate and for her personal interest in the pursuit of possible receipt of benefit and gain for herself. In applying for the superannuation death benefit to be paid to her personally rather than the estate, she was preferring her own interest to her duty as legal personal representative to make application for the funds to be paid as the legal person representative. As a result, she was in breach of her fiduciary duty as administrator of the estate. Mr. Hoffman notes that the court held that the mother had to disgorge those benefits to the estate. Consider if McTonish versus McTonish is a reversionary nomination, sorry, if a reversionary nomination had been made or a BDBN in favor of the mother had been put in place could the ultimate decision, as well as the costs inherent in the super Supreme Court case, have been avoided? You can click there and watch, um, access the full judgment for that story. Ensuring a valid BDBN. What is required for a valid BDBN is prescribed by the S. Sorry, CIS Act and CIS regulations for a nomination to be valid, it must be made to the funds trustee in writing and clearly set out the proportion of the benefit to be paid to each nomination per- 
sorry, nominated person. It may also include the type of benefit payment, for example, a lump sum or an income stream. Be signed by the member in the presence of two witnesses over the ages of 18, both of whom are not nominated as beneficiaries. It must include a signed witness declaration and be sent to the trustee. A further requirement is that only dependents under superannuation law can be nominated, a term that includes spouses, children of any age, any person financially dependent on the member, any person in inter, sorry, independ, interdependency relationship with the member, and a legal representative. Um, when the member has made the nomination, it will be valid for three years from the date it was signed or non-lapsing depending on the superannuation trust deed options. A BDBN can be renewed, changed, updated or revoked any time. A further decision of the Queensland Supreme Court, Monroe vs Monroe, highlights the need for precise adherence to the technical requirements for a BDBN. You can access the full judgment um, on this page as well. Did you know, in 2008, the ATO ruled the Section 59 of the CIS Act and Regulation 6.17a of the CIS regulations do not apply to the self-managed super funds. The result is that the governing rules of a super self-managed super fund may permit members to make a death benefit nominations that are binding of the trustee whether or not the circumstances whether or not in circumstances that accord with the rules in regulation 6.17a of the cis regulations that said a death benefit nomination is not binding on the trustee to the extent that it nominates a person who cannot receive a benefit in accordance with operating the standards in the cis regulations Advisors and clients, is there any general guidance that Mr. Hoffman and Mr. Dell could offer regarding advisors' conversations with clients when it comes to reversionary and non-reversionary pensions? So now I'm going to play a short video as well of Brad, Brad Hoffman. So the first thing I, I do is check trustee. Not all trustees allow for reversionary pensions and some deeds have certain conditions around those pensions. So check that deed. Before a person uh, reaches pension age, there should have been some consideration given as to whether or not they uh, have a binding death benefit nomination. If they do have such a nomination, it's important to ensure that any reversionary pension that we set up uh, works well with that nomination and isn't in conflict with it. Uh, most of the time you find that disputes arise where there's either a lack of clarity in relation to documentation or there's conflicts uh, between various documents. Additionally, as, as previously said, where a surviving spouse is likely to have transfer balance cap issues, uh, a reversionary pension can allow a larger amount to stay in pension phase for up to 12 months after the death of the, the primary member. Finally, pensions are at their heart contractual arrangements between the trustee and the member. 
So if you have an existing pension, which is not a reversionary pension, usually it can be made reversionary simply by an agreement uh, in writing between the member and the trustee, assuming that there's nothing in the deed itself or the original pension documentation uh, which would be contrary to that kind of amendment. Cool, so that was that video. Um, similarly, Mr. Dahl shares his thoughts around what to keep in mind when considering whether a client should nominate a reversionary beneficiary. Sorry, we have another video. So being aware of who can receive a, a death benefit um, in the first place and then who can receive that death benefit as a pension. Um, like I said, the, um, the spouse interdependent, financial dependent, they can receive their death benefit as a, um, and a, and a dependent child. If you're an adult child um, that isn't dependent on the, on the member, then you can't receive a death benefit pension. Um, so just being aware of who can receive those pensions and then also perhaps which which product provider you're going to um, and making sure that they can and, and will allow um, if you want someone else besides your spouse like independent or financial dependent to receive a, a pension um, make sure that they will pay to those um, beneficiaries rather than up front because like I said some funds will only offer a virtual nomination to a spouse um, so just being clear on what what um, rules the fund or what Consider, can a non-reversionary pension be converted into a reversionary pension using death benefit nomination? It is argued that a BDBN can effectively convert the pension from a non-reversionary to reversionary, provided that the funds governing rules or the pension documents permitted this to occur. But last not least, when discussing estate planning issues with clients, a clear professional line must be drawn between the advisors and the lawyers to ensure that the advisors meet compliance requirements and the professional standards. Where applicable, advisors should refer to the clients to legal professionals for specialist advice. Conclusion. This learning content has centered on some of the key considerations for advisors and their clients when discussing the possibility of a superannuation death benefits during the estate planning process. If an individual intends to leave some or all of their benefits to a dependent, a reversionary pension can be, uh, sorry, can be beneficial because it will ensure that the individual's intentions as to who the pension is going is to go to will be honoured by the trustee. Additionally, a reversionary beneficiary will leave, will find themselves with largely the same rights as the original member with respect to those funds. A non-reversionary pension, on the other hand, is worth consideration in circumstances where an individual wants a, for a benefit to either go to their estate or to a non-tax dependent beneficiary. Of course, before any decision is made, it is essential for a client to fully understand both benefits and drawbacks of the different options and thorough informed advice will be a critical part of the process. Awesome, then we've just got all the references and the disclaimer. 
that is the end of that podcast for today. It was called Death Benefit Decisions, and you can access this through your Kaplan portal. Again, it was released on the 15th of March, 2021. Thank you and have a lovely day.